one mic. Can we be real? I'm going to stretch the line of people. Now, if you step over that line, I'm going to say something about it. This is one mic. This is one mic, please. One mic. Uh, this is uh, D. Wills. Uh, actually, I'm traveling on the road, so we're doing a special podcast here. Um, and uh, I'll be doing this with uh, my man Darnell. Uh, Hank is uh, on assignment. Uh, I think fixing his uh, AC. It's hot here in the Midwest. Uh, but uh, hey, Darnell, how you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? Um... I'm just over here getting ready to set up my headphones, but right now I'm on speakerphone. Can you hear me all right? Oh, yeah, you sound all right. You're good. You're good. You're good to go. Uh, you know, so we're, we're going to have a quick podcast here. we got a lot going on, but as I always want to let people know, um, you can reach uh, all things RSG uh, at uh, realsportsguys.com. Uh, please go over there. Check that out there. Um, uh, I've been saying for a while we've been trying to get the big show back. My man Phil T and Marcus the Game Changer. Uh we'll be we'll be back in business uh beginning July first. Uh so we'll be coming up uh it'll be a lot of NBA talk free agency, so uh you know it's gonna be a hot show and so you know the platform is uh getting heated up. Uh, all the folks that get back in, you know, like I said, it's like the collective or you know, as uh Buster Rogers said, the conglomerate uh is, is out there uh coming together trying to make it happen. Uh, but today we want to really touch base with you as we are in a free free agency period beginning uh, tomorrow at six o'clock. Uh, you know, all whatever break uh, uh, will break loose in the NBA. A lot going on, um, and so we want to speculate a little bit, uh, a little bit with that, um, amongst some other things uh, uh, on the rundown. Uh, we had a longer rundown, but we're going to keep it tight today uh, because we're going to be trying to touch you up a little bit uh, all week long uh, to see you, uh, you know, kind of. You know, uh, you know what's going on with things and stuff. And so, uh, I want to also uh, congratulate out there our, our U.S. Uh, women's national soccer team uh, doing their thing. Um, big win over France. That was, in some sense, people thought that was going to be the finals. And so, I want to get a shout out. You know, the RG, we always do the ladies first. Want to get a shout out to the ladies and congratulate them on uh, uh, doing what they're doing um, and, and, and doing things well. Uh, we had the NBA awards. Uh, here recently, and you know, there's been a lot of debate about the NBA awards. You know, uh, for those of you who are, um, you know, who may not have followed, you know, kind of the NBA trend and what the NBA's been doing over the years. You know, when they, they give out a lot of those awards, those MVP awards, a lot of those awards happen usually in the first or second round. Uh, it was a great opportunity for home in many cases. Um, you know, for those teams that made the playoffs, for the uh, home team fans to to be part of the celebration. Um, you know, some people remember when, you know, Allen Iverson won the MVP. It was such a big deal. You know, Philly fans, you know, even give it a chance to really say a thank you or whatever. They were just so loud and everything else. Uh, but, you know, the players, uh, you know, were part of this and, 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 and trying to create this kind of end-of-the-year event, you know, feel a little bit of like, you know, the Gold Globe Awards where, you know, folks sit around tables, you know, you know, drinking and, and, and kind of hanging out and then, 
Um, it, it's kind of like a, a family event. You don't really have as many of the fans involved in that celebration. And also, it's, these are regular season awards that are a little bit farther away uh, from the end of the season. But nonetheless, Giannis, I think, is sold tonight. Uh, you know, not just the MVP, but then his uh, remarks um, in terms of, uh, you know, what he, um, uh, you know, the kind of passion he showed, you know, given his father wasn't there to able to see him win the MVP. Um, you know, uh, so I don't know if you had a chance to watch or, or, you know, hear a lot of the chatter around the NBA awards, but uh, Darnell, what was your just your thoughts about the awards? And I think I think we we're all pretty consistent about who we thought we were going to get the different awards. I don't think there was any surprises, but you know, what was your kind of your thoughts around how the NBA awards could handle? So for me, um, the big takeaway was I think I broke his line in the description was that um, the rest of um, the rest of the world seems like it might be catching up to um, to America as far as basketball goes. I know in the Olympics um, we we still might not have much competition, but at the same time, you got um, pretty much every single award. Um, going to somebody that is not is not from America, and with the exception of Lou Williams winning the Sixth Man Award, you have Luka Doncic winning Rookie of the Year. You have the MVP being the young center the Kumpo. You have the most improved player being Pascal Siakam. You have um, the defensive player here being um, the um, that's the group Street. but the spiteful tower Rudy Gobert. So pretty much all around the board, you have representation from different parts of the world. So it just shows that the rest of the world is improving. And the um, the growth of the global game is really happening. So um, that's exciting for one. But at the same time, um, the U.S. we're got to show with what's up come Olympic time. So um, that's one big takeaway I have from it. But the other one is um, the MVP race. Um, do you do you think that James Harden should have won the MVP? Because uh, I know there's a, um, um, the MVP a lot of times goes to the best player on the best team. But a lot of times, um, James James Harden he uh, he carried the Rockets on his back because he has to. Like um, the the Rockets were so injured, you had Chris Paul out, you had um, the the flaming out of um, Carmelo Anthony. He was he was gone in sixty seconds. He was out. He was off the team in like two or three weeks. Um, they brought um, they had to bring guys like Daniel House out from the G League. They brought um, like I joked before, they brought um, Kenneth Reed back from the dead. Like um, they 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 um really had to deal with a makeshift roster, and if um James Harden, if it wasn't for James Harden averaging his thirty six a game, they might not have even made the playoffs. If he if he averaged thirty three, we don't know if they make the playoffs. So, um, I think he was probably the most valuable player to his team because um with um Milwaukee, Giannis had an excellent effort, but um. He um, had a lot of teammates that that could step up for him and pick up the slack with guys like Malcolm Brogdon, guys like Brooke Lopez, guys like Eric Bledsoe, guys like um, George Hill, guys like Ilya Sova, who led the league in um, um, charges taken. Like he had guys all over the place that were really picking up slack. So I think that um, he had um, much more of a team around him and a coach that was not um, afraid to make adjustments. So um, I think. Um, the, as far as the most viral player, it might have been, been able to go to James Harden. But me, myself, I'm not mad that Giannis was getting it. He's a very good guy. He's very, um, a nice face for the league to have. So um, I'm not necessarily mad at him getting it, but that's just my thoughts. 
Yeah, but I, I also think that um, Harden, if, if you're going to have injuries, it's better to have injuries in a, a Dan Tony system that only really depends on one guy controlling a lot of the ball and shooting. And the, uh, the, the MVP award also, I think, is became become too much of just an offensive award. The reason why I think Giannis gets it because Giannis could also be defensive player of the year. So I think he was dominant. He controlled a lot offensively. His numbers were incredible. And defensively, you would you could make an argument that he could have been defensive player of the year as well. So that's the reason why I say it with a team that won 60 games. So, you know, I, I think if you were to put Giannis in Houston, I think he could have done the same thing in Harden. And I just, I just think that Harden, for me, I'm really pushing back on are you a complete player. Not to say Harden doesn't play defense at all, but – but if I'm if I'm getting you on the one or two, three, those top three people, I'm saying who affects things on both ends when we conversate, have a conversation like this? And you could have made an argument, the legitimate argument, for Giannis to be defensive player of the year. And so that's why I thought he, he – and he had a team that won 60 games. So and they would have been nowhere – even though they had all that talent, they would have been nowhere near 60 games uh, with, with, without Giannis being there because of the way that – he controls so much of the game on the offense and defensive end. I think Harden is great. Harden had a legendary. But you play hoop, man. If a cat just said you can shoot for whatever, the level of confidence you have on the court where you can do whatever you want to do and never have to look at the bench, there's, there's <laughs> at least 20 players in the league that if they just had that kind of freedom, you don't think they would be put up some kind of numbers? So I think where I got to oh, hard to step up is the, the leadership and, and some of those other things. Like, Harden is not a great player, but I'm saying that when I'm coming down to those two tight, the reason why I'm going Giannis is that he's elite on both ends. And you could have made an argument for him as he was a player of the year as well. So he could be he could have been he could have won in two categories. And when you when you could be competitive in two categories, then that tells me, you know. That 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 you you are a legitimate MVP and the votes weren't even close. What like the votes were close? Like a couple of years ago, we had votes that were pretty close. The votes weren't even close. So that that's my thing. I would just yeah. make your argument. I think you made a very good point. I think you made some really good point. I think my only counter right now to Harden is, I'm like, man, there's 20 guys if they just had that freedom that could put up coastal numbers, if not meals. But but. Um, you can say they can put up the numbers, but I don't know if those numbers will necessarily translate to wins because we've seen plenty of guys on bad teams put up great numbers in the past. DeMarcus Cousins, Anthony Davis, um, Devin Booker, all these guys. Um, and they don't necessarily make the playoffs with the team that they have. Um, James Harden was carrying his but, team but I'm, wins. But I'm, but I'm, I'm, talking about I'm talking about elite players. So I'm like, I'm like okay, Dave Diller could do that. I mean, I mean, I go down the line. I mean, I go down, I go down the line on that one. You, you know, you you can you can you, you can we can put people down the line like you just got this freedom, and it's a system that gets you to wherever you got to go. You know, he still had Clay Capella for a little bit. He still had other players. Looked like he was playing with Scrubs. You know, he had to play playing. He really had some issues. You know, so it was like I'm not saying that, but. But his presence, he isn't on both ends. And then when he doesn't have the ball, he just stand over there. He's like four or five. Like there's things that when you're an MVP player, you can't do that he does. 
that nobody calls him out on. That's why I can't get into it. Like, if the ball ain't in his hands, that's why they got the friction. He's just standing over there. It's 64 on 5 on offense. Like, no, nah, MVP player ain't like that. There ain't no MVP. That's, I can't give you the MVP on that. Giannis would never do that. Giannis would find something to do. He's going to scream to somebody else, open the floor up. So when you put, like, you know what I'm saying? We're talking about elite players we pick it on, but that's, that's how we split hairs on that. That's what I want to say. I understand your points. I'm just saying that's my counter to those. And it's probably more people right, so, on my side on that one. Yeah, you can do that thing too. So, what do you think about um, Andre Iguodala and what he when he's talking about? Boy, I love Andre. Midwest stand up, Illinois. Andre stand up, baby. And I, I had a chance to watch even the Breakfast Club uh, interview. First of all, uh, I would say this: Andre, more than an athlete, love him, man, love him, love him. You know, uh, there's some parts of this. He had a back. He backed on a couple things here on a couple follow-up interviews, but there's a couple of parts of this. So let's start with the Mark Jackson one. This is the part that All irritates right. me the most about this. So he had a couple of comments he made in, in uh, here. So he had a comment about Mark Jackson that which most of us know. Then he talked a little about the KD stuff. So let me start with the Mark Jackson stuff. You, the, the, for those who don't know, you know Mark Jackson was really the foundation in setting up the Golden State Warriors. He's the one who told the world before we all knew it that uh, uh, Clay and Steph will probably be one of the best backcourts ever, best shooting backcourts ever. He got chastised. I, even I, I, I'm a little eyebrow at him. And, and, I, and I love Steph Curry and Kyle. Uh, I, I watched Steph Curry do work uh, on, on, on a number of people. Uh, didn't know as much about Clay when he was at Washington, but but knew, but but he was clean, he was to get Draymond, got Draymond to play a different style, laid the foundation, you know, had somebody in his coaching staff send his stuff upstairs to management. whole bunch of friction between him and management uh, going on. Uh, and uh, Mark, for those of you who don't know, very sound, kind of religious foundation. And there are at least one owner, maybe two, but one key owner who's influential across the league um, who 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 identifies who is who is gay, and is out, and Mark has different views about lifestyle around that. Some things that you know, Mark used to hold streaming for uh, his his congregation because he's a minister. You know, after hours seven thirty, stream with people so he could do stuff. So nothing nothing that affected work, and uh, really had a fallout. And so what these cats have been doing is basically you know blackballing him when he's trying to interview uh, on some of these issues, and people haven't really given him a chance. So Andre kind of pulled back the curtain on that, you know, uh, because he was there, and, you know, and accredits Jackson for a lot of that. It, it tells you about the level of pettiness, but it tells you about also the way in which owners in that system works in, in, in ways in which other people get forgiveness to come back to be able to do things that other, other folks shouldn't have. Mark Jackson should be coaching his league. That's the bottom line. And then the other piece he offered was the way in which pressure can come from people around you to come back before you're healed. And, uh, you know, he felt that kind of pressure when he was uh, the year before when he hurt his leg. They put it out as a bruised leg. He said he had a fractured leg. And people were asking him, 
when he came back, they made it through the uh, Houston series. He was trying to figure out when he was going to come back, rushing back, and he had a fractured leg. And he kept putting out Eddie Bruce's leg. He was arguing with folks about that. And this pressure to play, your teammates, family members expect you to play. And he said that KD was experiencing some of that. You know, I think that's all a part of it. And I think it's one of the reasons why Kawhi is probably going to end up returning to Toronto because Toronto has a system where they operate a corporate system where these entities are separate. The medical staff is on its own. Nobody interrupts. Medical staff, they play, they play it, they work with the player on stuff. But these kind of things come to affect people's career because we have this whole kind of culture around what it means to be tough, what it means to overcome stuff. And so people like KD come back, put their stuff on the line, and everybody's not going to have the outcome that KD had when people are still going to be willing to give them the money. There could have been some other players, they would have just lost their max deal. So they, somebody would be like, we're not paying you $200 million. you got to be at least special like KD to still have your money guaranteed even when you rupture your killing. But he was trying to do that under this pressure. And, it, you know, the initial reaction was this reaction to the medical staff and the management of, of the Golden State Warriors. And part of it has got to be because one of the first things that happened when he got hurt, Bob Myers came out and said, it's all on me. He came out all apologetic when nobody asked him to be apologetic with the injury. But he, all, he came out and put it all on himself. So you, there's some, not to say there's some truth to it, there's something to it. Because Bob came out there quickly and took the blame for the injury. So, you know, what I like about Iggy is Iggy goes by his own drum. You know, I love the fact that he's got this book where you hear him talk about some of these issues. This guy who reads a lot, does a lot. He comes with a lot of respect in the game. Uh, um, I'm, I'm going to be reading that book. I'm, I hope we can get him on the air. But I thought it was I thought it was just a revealing conversation coming from somebody who is a straight shooter. Yeah, so um, I would like to speak more towards, like, the injury side of things with the doctors because um, I know the Mark Jackson thing is kind of a touchy subject with a lot of people because, um, especially in the NBA landscape, because remember what happened with the Charlotte um, where um, when the the All-Star game was supposed to be in Charlotte and they had it moved. So you know what climate um, that you are working in, and Mark Jackson – he upset a um, higher up within the Warriors that happened to be of a different sexual orientation. So um, I can understand what happened there. And if you also um, go back and remember with um, Golden State, remember Jason Collins, the first Oakland, the first Oakland gay um, basketball player yep. in the NBA. Yep. He, his brother Jaron Collins, I believe he was an assistant coach with the Warriors. So that that also to draw attention in there, maybe they didn't take that right. They necessarily did not take kindly to that, I don't believe. But um, going to the other side as far as um, his injury being misdiagnosed, I told y'all when we were talking about Kevin Durant, this thing happens all the time. They, these <laughs> doctors tell you what they want you to hear. Like, um, we saw through all uh, Bob Myers fake tears and stuff on TV, man. We, we knew he, that wasn't for real. He was over there he was acting. He was trying to get. He was trying to cry on TV. The tears weren't coming out. But um, we all saw through that, man. Like um, we knew they pressured him to play. Um, and even going back to Kawhi Leonard's injury, like um, they misdiagnosed him. But not only did they not only did they diagnose him, Danny Green. Um, they um, 
he knew he had a groin injury, but they didn't tell. But they wasn't telling um, that he um, actually had a tear in his groin, and he didn't figure that out until the end of the season. So that doesn't surprise me that um, that Iguodala was playing through a um, was playing through a fracture on his leg. So remember Kyrie um, that season when um, Kelly Olynyk um, pulled Kevin Love's arm out of socket. That same year, um, Kyrie yeah. Irving. Um, he was getting hurt every other week, and um, the doctor kept saying that. Um, the same doctor said after every time, it was like, oh, Kyrie is dealing with um, knee tendonitis. And they knew good and well he did not have no t- knee tendonitis because um, it came after that he was dealing with a stress fracture in his kneecap the whole time, and he was making it worse, making it worse, until the, knee- until the kneecap finally gave way and broke um, in game one of the finals. So they misdiagnosed him as well. So we've seen this thing happen time and time again. So it does not surprise me one bit. So like, um, and even if you look at um, as soon as Kevin Durant got injured, you look and see the guys that are that are very close to Kevin Durant were the guys that were kind of they weren't necessarily spilling everything, but they're kind of letting out little hits. Like the guys that are very close to him, like his old mother. Um, you got Jay Williams that does the um, that does the show with Kevin Durant, and you have um, Kendrick Perkins as well, very long time friend of him. They both um, well, I don't know if Kendrick Perkins went to Texas. I think he came out of high school, but he's from Texas. They played OKC um, with each other for a long time, so they have a very close bond. So um, all the people they're letting out things that um, that kind of lean towards this thing. So you can you can kind of tell where KD is um, feeling about this and. To hear that Andre Iguodala is going through the same thing, we um, it's not surprising at all. So that is my take. And um, I have another question, breaking off this, um, with Andre Iguodala telling all these things about the Warriors, does this signal to end in Golden State? Is the bridge over, or um, does he know that it's about to be over? No, I, I just think that they have a culture that's strong enough to handle those kind of things. Steve Kerr is very open and opinionated. Uh-huh. They're in the Bay Area. That's the energy of it. You know, they are independent thinkers. They're in it. And I think that's just their team culture. Um, it doesn't mean that they don't get along. They don't like each other. They don't love each other. Uh, I think it's just that's just the culture they built. That's about being adults. Like, we don't have differences. And that was my whole thing, even if I, I'll say about the Mark Jackson thing. The team has a right to several ties with them because of culture, the, the issue of campaigning. And if Mark Jackson was that bad, why is he the face of NBA uh, TV and, and promotions? Like, there goes that man. They they build so much off of him. He's one of the best play-by-play. Uh, he's one of the best uh, announcers and analysts in the business. They still, he's very much being paid in the NBA space, very much being featured. So it's the campaigning with other organizations. You have a choice to decide how you want to do what you want to do. But the, the, the intentional campaigning with other organizations to let them do their own due diligence on that, it'd be different. You know, think about the thing that happened with Tim Hardaway. He said, Tim Hardaway never worked in anything with APA. Has, no, not even been seen. So we don't know what level of degree it was, but whatever it was, Mark is still working right out front uh, as one of the top the top pairs in NBA or uh, doing the NBA broadcast. So somebody league is okay with mm-hmm. Mark on some level because he's getting so much visibility. So I think as an organization, they have the, they have the right to do whatever they want to do. I think Andre was talking about the open 
black boy, and, and anytime he's in a pool out there figuring out how you can disrupt them and be in his space because of whatever personally you have against them. That's the part I was talking about. Getting back to the injury stuff you talked about, I think you, you nailed all that. You nailed it right on the head, uh, and, and I just want to give you a high five the way you broke that down, that, that analysis. So the You're right on that. And, and, and uh, you know, I think we see that across the league. And what's interesting, I don't know if you have a chance to see this, um, and that's what I love about – this is what I love about empowerment and people with professional organizations and understanding that they are experts. So the, the National Association that is kind of a professional association of athletic trainers, there was a survey done of all of them, and a high percentage of them at the collegiate level uh, stated that coaches were involved. Coaches had forced trainers uh, at, uh, to play players who medically weren't ready to play. So this culture of, of doing this kind of stuff happens at multiple levels that includes being at the professional level. This idea of folks who, who whose jobs and their money depend on KD playing. Now, I would say Steve Kerr was involved in this, but you get to the general managers, it's the bottom lines of owners who are moving into a new uh, a new building. There's so many people involved who, who, who shouldn't be part of it. Um, uh, it, it that, that that's incredible. And you see that at the college level. It was such a high percentage of folks who said that coaches and folks involved in hiring and other things that related when they don't have any expertise around that type of infrastructure. So this is something we're seeing beginning to come out, and particularly people on the medical side are finding ways of getting this information out about the way in which management and others are influencing these decisions about when players get back on. So you even see that you see that at the college level being put out there in the same way. So to what extent do athletes start to take some of that power back? We'll have to see. Right. So, um, did you hear about Jenny Buss um, saying that she um, was blindsided by the Magic Johnson thing? Yeah, Jenny won that red copper ready to go. Yeah, Jenny was – it's funny, and, and, and Ice Cube was on um, – I don't know if he was on first take or something like this, but Ice Cube was saying, you know, about a month ago, you know, Everybody, you know, Lakers were a bunch of a joke, uh, a joke. But now everybody, uh, everybody gets serious when they they, they, they really they they kind they kind of they kind of cap there a little bit when uh, when 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 they start talking about the Lakers now now that they don't made the big trade. And you know, I think you know it's hard to tell what their real relationship is, but you know, these are people who've known each other all their lives. You know, Magic was pulled into the the fam the, the Bus family by Doctor Bus was like another sibling, another son in his household. They built a long relationship. And you know, with siblings sometimes, you know, y'all don't always agree. Y'all don't fight, especially as you get older, disagree on kinds of things. And I do feel like uh, she felt uh, betrayed, but, you know, she was going to be professional with it. She wasn't always going to shine on him. Uh, but I think she, what she really made it clear was uh, we got a plan and we move forward, and Polika is, is in the middle of that. And I tweeted right after the trade, how is the narrative going to change the point? I know Jalen was talking on Jalen and Toby uh, yesterday that, you know, he said he was one of the few people in the media that didn't say anything about Rob. Rob's name was being thrown through the dirt. You know, like I always tell people, look, Rob, Rob was educated at the highest level. He, the guy's smart. And his background is he played basketball. I think his father was a coach. He knows enough. Now, there's a lot of shade was thrown out on him. There's some things he's learning to make mistakes, but 
he he not coming out here to be pushed over on. And it's been interesting about that era. So she made it clear on that red carpet who she riding with. And uh, but you know she had to come out because she was taking some hits too. So you know it, it tells you how quick a narrative can change. You, you get an AD, they make a couple good moves here. You know now the Lakers are are, are, are you know coming out as one as the favorite. Um, you know now out of Vegas. You know so the narrative in like you know a literally a month's time can change. So you know she's gonna start on that red carpet. You know she's gonna come out strong after that pick. You know she's gonna wear her best stuff on that, and you know she's gonna have something to say if she said it. Right, but um, to me, I wasn't so surprised because um, Maddie Johnson told he told him the day that it happened. He didn't. He said he didn't have the guts to tell Jimmy Bus. So um, it doesn't surprise me that she didn't know because he told him that she didn't know. So um, I don't know yep. what what the big story about it is, but. Yeah, um, yeah. but she write about what Jalen Rose was saying, but, but Jalen Rose was a teammate of, of Rock Swinton, so of course he's going to ride for him, but um, I don't know if it was necessarily... No, 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 let's be fair, Jalen. Magic's also his mentor, and he, he, yeah. and he set it up front. Magic's a mentor, because Jalen been pretty even down the middle on this now, so let's be fair to Jalen. He got relations with both of them. And Jalen been the one down the middle on it. And so we, but Jalen didn't throw nobody under the bus, so he took the he took the side where he's just like, I'm gonna stay neutral almost. No, but what he was saying was, and I've seen him. In, no, he said he said in a real interview, he said you can have things where you start, you have conversations how things are supposed to be going, then you you're not invited into meetings. You know, he he laid some stuff out on Rob's side as well as. On, on Maddie's side, but he said, so there's, there's a little bit to go around. And, it, and what happened was the whole landslide went towards Polinka. None of it came back towards Magic. You know, so, and right now, Polinka is, for some reason, she rides with him. And he and he delivered. So, and, th- and this is what people said, Polinka's never going to get any meetings with anybody. Nobody's going to talk to him on the phone. Well, they had to talk to him on the phone to make the deal. You remember, that was the narrative. Nobody wants to talk to him. He don't. He seems to be making deals and moving products. So that narrative's not true, is it? He moved Wagner out. He moved the people. So somebody must be picking the phone up. Yeah, they moved Wagner. The narrative. Nobody. Huh? Yeah, What's they that? did move Wagner out. I saw that. I said, yeah. Yeah, I he, they moved out the Yeah, you know. Yeah. So you know the narrative was nobody wanted to talk to him. Well, see, was somebody talking to him? Right. Somebody talking to him because he's making the deals and mm-hmm. he's the one leading the deals. Who else they calling? Ghostbusters? Yeah, I guess so. So, so that's what I'm saying. <laughs> there's some, there's got to be some balanced narrative to it. So it, it, that's all. And I said this from the beginning. And I, I know teammate a, a Polinka. I, I don't know this stuff, but I'm like, it don't make sense. You ain't that highly. But you are a Michigan man. Yeah, but he, he was trained. He's a, he's Michigan <laughs> law, NBA. And when you a bad agent like he was, you gonna have a lot of enemies because you're good at your job, right? You will have enemies because you out hustling people. Uh-huh. You see what happened to you. You see what's happening uh, to LeBron's crew and his stuff. The way Rich Paul being treated now, Rich Paul is a villain. Why? Because he out hustling. All the narrative about how negative Rich Paul is. Why? Because he beating everybody. 
So that's what's going to happen. So if you're an agent, yeah, there might be some stuff you had to do, but it's a hustle game. And so I didn't take that as he just you he, you ain't gonna outbeat Polinka. He gonna out hustle you in every way he can. So I, I mean that's why he was good at his job. And, and players can play because they got paid, right? So that's the only thing I'm saying that he did what most of other agents wish they could do. That's it. All right. Now he's trying to do it here. Now, and I'm, I'm not even a Lakers fan, so I'm, I'm gonna say I'm gonna leave it at that. You know, if the pitches are good, I hope the Lakers burn. So you know, that's a, you know, that's how I roll. <laughs> if, 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 it's, if it's the pitches and the Lakers, I'm 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 bad boys all day long. <laughs> all right, I guess I'll take us I'll into the cipher for the day. Yes. All right, I guess I'll take us into the cipher. So, um, you want to bring us in? Okay, so, Actually, so, so I, the cipher. You got it? You want to hit us up with it? No, I was just saying, I have, I have it written down if you if you don't remember. Yeah, because so we're, we're, we're in the halftime. Yeah, we're in the halftime of the year. So one of the things we want to do, you know, uh, a lot of times we do these, we, 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 we always, like, at the end of, in, like, in December, all, a lot of shows will say, okay, what's going to be headlines in 2000, you know, uh, you know uh, 19? And people try to project what the headlines are going to be. So we're halfway through 2016, or 2019, say 16, like I'm trying to back the clock. And what to do is like take a few minutes here to like think about okay what were the things in the first six months were the headlines that kind of captured us during this first six months and then given that what do we think is going to be you know happening in these last six months what do we hope to happen in these last six months and so that was what we kind of shaped up here for our kind of we call this the halftime it's the halftime of 2019 so uh, I don't know if you had a chance to think through that too, but Darnell, what are some of the, what, what were some of your things that kind of headlines or stories that captured you in the first first half of 2019? Man, there's so many. It's, it's there's so many things. It's very hard to limit it just to two or three, but I guess I got to do it. So um, I would say the first thing would have been um, that the pass interference missed call in um, in the playoff between the Saints and the Rams. That sparked the new um, passing, that that sparked the new uh, review rule with passing interference, where um, the um, passing interference now is going to be a reviewable call, which, um, in my opinion, is going to be very crazy because I can just see it right now. It's the playoff. This picture right now, the playoffs. The um, the Patriots are down by a, they're down by a field goal, right? They're driving. There's only 17 seconds left. And they throw a Hail Mary. And um, the ball is incomplete. But a red challenge flag comes. And they go to the booth and they say, okay, the call has been overturned. Um, the, the Patriots, the New England Patriots will have the ball at the one-yard line. And all hell is going to break loose. It's going to be a crazy day in the news cycle. And um, I, I don't know. Um, I think um, – Stephen A. Smith said before, but it's – I'm not Stephen A. Smith. It was Colin Powell, actually. So he said um, it's usually not good when you go back and make a rule a rule change over over one play, even though – even how egregious the play was because they're going to get um, outcomes that you, don't, you didn't necessarily want out of the um, rule change. 
So that's one of them for sure. Another headline is Anthony Joshua getting knocked out by Andrew Ruiz. That was one of the biggest upsets I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, with um, if, as far as the public being, actually, I can't even say that's why the public um, being concerned because I was shocked too because I think Joshua, I thought um, Joshua's size um, and, and ability would be able to take him through the fight, but um, it turns out a guy with some um, head speed that has a lot of experience um, is going to be in. He is able to um, possibly pull out a victory against um, Anthony Joshua. We learned something that night. But um, and the third and my and for my third and final one, I'm gonna I'm gonna say the um, the the comeback to the top and the rise of um, Kawhi of one Kawhi Leonard proving a doubt is wrong. One one especially being Skip Bayless. Skip Bayless has disrespected his man this whole entire year. He hasn't been calling him by his name. He's been calling him number two. He's been hating on him. This is the this, um Skip is a um he is a professional hater. He he picks his guys that he that he doesn't like and he hurt he hates hard. He hates hard and it's very satisfying to see Kawhi Leonard play exceptionally well. He had, he went on a um and he had a murderous role of opponents to play too. I know the Warriors were injured, but he he did have to go through um Joel Embiid and the Sixers. He did have to go through the MVP, Giannis Antetokounmpo and the uh, Milwaukee Bucks. He did have to go through the Warriors with Steph Curry, even though like the rest of the team is going to injured. But but um they still had good defenders that um that could cause him problems. So I'm glad to see what he was able to do. So those have to be my three stories as um, through the first half of the year. What are yours? Wow, you you had a couple that I had on my list, and so I'll go to a couple other ones. Uh, so I would I, I would I would go with Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown, as one player, <laughs> changed so much of the NFL conversation. Uh, part of it is forcing your way out uh, uh, before uh, uh, the really the end of your contract by any means necessary. But just the the waste that he left uh, and his ability to continue the conversation even after he got the money. Uh, and the way it shaped uh, with, you know, the Steelers um, and, and that whole uh, uh, transition occupied, I mean, even overshadowing sometimes on some of the things that you you, you talked about uh, with the Super Bowl and the playoffs. But, you know, Antonio Brown was the conversation of NFL playoffs, offseason, uh, <laughs> still today. Uh, it, 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 they're going to be a hard knock. Uh, so that story right there. And then the other one I got, I'll add to it is Pippin ain't easy. Robert Kraft being found, you know, having a massage and some extra benefits in Florida, <laughs> and the way in which that that conversation oh. gave light to the privilege owners have and the way they get treated versus the way we treat these players and the excuses we make and their in a, in their ability to. Block stuff straight out. You know, we ain't going to let the, 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 the tape be seen. We don't do nothing like this in ways that players don't have any of those rights uh, that they have. They, on so many layers, we're still going to be unpacking that. But this is a person who has this so righteous position through inflate, the inflating gate or whatever, through all the stuff, always had this position, and then he finds himself not just in a parlor, but in a parlor that you and I could drive up to. 
you next you, we go to this, uh, the the liquor store next door and get us some Hennessy and then go over there. You know, it was just one <laughs> of them things that you and I would have told to. So that one was was like just yeah. blown away. And then we, we got to hit it. The Lakers, as the world turns. Right. I mean, we got the Rampus family. Like when they that week when we like when we discovered how much power the Rampuses had in the decision making apparatus of the Lakers when they didn't get Ty Lue, which was a layup. Like there was no bigger layup than the Lakers' ability to get Ty Lue. And when they messed that up because Linda Rampus and Kurt Rampus didn't like it, like. That was must-see, must-hear TV, and to see where they are now, like it's like how much things change so quickly uh, uh, in a narrative, in crisis, and to the point where people were hoping, asked the commissioner whether or not, you know, he needed to step in, you know, because these were your story franchises. You know, that was like, the, of the, you know, the, the LeBron James playoffs. And then I'll add one more. Because you talked about one side of the coin. I'll talk about the other side of the coin. The fall of the Gold State Warriors this year and the injury to KD. When he went down, because KD was cooking. And when he went down and we everybody caught their collective breath when he fell, we like, is he really hurt? When he went down that first time, we were like, oh, my goodness, what is going on here? And what – and what it caused, and when Steph just kind of went into Steph mode, uh, and, and they, they hung on, and, and it still pressure the system, and then Clay goes down. But just when KD went down, and what that we knew that meant for free agency and everything else, uh, that was a that was a big story that we're still going to be you know trying to understand here this week and well into late uh, you know 2019 and 2020. So those are the stories for me. So um, your first your first story, I know I'm on the cheat. I'm gonna add another one. But so first your first story sparked a, a whole other memory in my mind because you 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 were talking about Antonio Brown being traded to um, the Raiders. But another memory for me yeah. was um this game it goes to um Imani Bates, the amazing run by the freshman the six seven freshman out of Ypsilanti, Michigan to um. Carries my Lincoln Rail Splitters all the way to the state championship, the only state champion, the only state championship in any sport of the school's history. That whole run was absolutely magical. I think there was at least two or three buzzer beaters, um, two or three buzzer beaters, game winning shots made during that postseason run. And the reason that uh, the Antonio Brown thing, um, the reason that that um that brought, that this brought it back to my memory was because I remember um the the quarterfinal the quarterfinal game when they played um Detroit Martin Luther King. I was leaving the I was leaving the arena and I looked at my phone and it said um, Odell Beckham has been traded to the Cleveland Browns, and I was like, oh yeah. my god, what does this mean? Because Odell Beckham, because we all know Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry are very good friends. They were a, a dynamic duo at LSU. And they've always talked about um, how they wanted to play play with each other in the future. And the year before, Jarvis Landry was like, hey, man, come to Cleveland. And um, I was like, well, he might come to Cleveland, but at the same time, it's Cleveland. So I don't think he would want to go to Cleveland. And the next year, he came to fruition. So, like, that was a big moment. 
because I tied everything together. You had Imani Bates and um, the Friday Rails for this, and you had um, Odell Beckham Jr. being traded to the Browns. Yep. And then I'll say the charity of the cake for everybody is the year of Zion. You know, it's, I, I, in some ways I would say, um, and he, obviously he's the big story. You know, I, I was fortunate enough to, to early in the season watch him play uh, at Maui, up close and personal. And, and it was at that point I understood that he was just way more than a dunker. I don't think people still realize how complete ball player this guy is, the way he plays, how smart he is, um, just the way what he said. But the way in which he just took over the world of sports, not just basketball, college basketball, and it's still buzzing. Um, you know, people cry in New York when they didn't get the first pick. You know, um, you know, it, it just um, – I would say understanding um, there's a level of humility with some of these young guys, which you saw in the NBA draft. Like there's a legitimate good dudeness <laughs> with a number of these, these stars we see coming in, particularly in the NBA, uh, who are drafted just got kind of like a grounding, and he's the king of that. And so, uh, you know, uh, you know, Zion coming on the scene, taking over everything. Taking over everything is, uh, I think, the icing on the cake for this first part of the year. And we obviously get to see what that means with, with NBA Summer League coming up beginning next week, uh, as well as, um, you know, uh, the season uh, will be getting here at 2-19. So we'll be able to close it out and know something by Christmas Day uh, what his impact is going to be on the NBA. So, so it, it's been a great first 2019. And, you know, RC, we're going to be riding this thing with you. So we, we, we love it. And real quick, what is your story for the um, for the for the uh, next six months, the second half of the year? Well, for me, um, you know, the second half of the year is is really. And so I'll, I'll take it in a couple of different things. Uh, I'll, I'll start with the big three in the NFL. Um, it's going to be all these moves and how they play out, and we're going to we're going to learn some early with hard knocks when it comes out in August, but. Just, you know, we're, we're going to have, uh, I, I think, outside my own team, I think people are going to realize that the Steelers are back. And the part that they're going to realize is that part of what's going to shift on their team is that they're going to have an elite defense next year. Uh, the the, 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 the um, drafting of Devin Bush and, and having that guy in the middle who can go sideline to sideline is going to be everything to them on the defensive side. So the way they're going to win is going to be different. And the reason why I'm saying that is because out of all this, there's a lot of questions about Mike Thomas, who's won Super Bowls, who's been in Super Bowls, in ways that we don't judge as the coaches. And I think we're going to get some, we're going to get some answers about that, and we're going to have a lot of answers about Cleveland and some other folks uh, with that. On the basketball side, the, the headline is going to be Zion takes over. <laughs> because I think, it's so early on, like it's gonna be some hype in the summer league, but early on, the first couple of weeks, somebody gonna get baptized. Somebody, <laughs> a Rudy Gobert is gonna try and go go for a block. Somebody is gonna end up on multiple highlights, and and people and if people gonna realize early on that this guy is more than a dunker, uh, that that's gonna be a big piece. And the other thing is. Giannis's J is butter. That's going to be a big one because I think you saw Parkinson's off his, his J come out uh, in late in the playoffs. Unlike uh, our young man over there in Philadelphia, Giannis actually will shoot jump shots. 
And his J didn't his J looked like it was coming into form. And I think you'll see it come into form this summer. I think that's the reason why he's gonna play in the world games this summer. So he can he can really work that into his game with some competition. Uh you're gonna see that. And then I'm hoping to see some good boxing. I want to end the year. It's been a great year for boxing, and I want to see some really good. I hope we end up with some really nice matches here in late 2019 where we, we've got some law and order in some of these boxing divisions. That's what I'm hoping to see. Right. And for me, I can't, I can't argue um, with you for the most part because um, my first one going to be, how does the Cleveland Browns gel? Will um will the weapons and the all season acquisitions that they made joining together on um, Baker Mayfield, Kareem Hunt come playoff time, um, Nick Chubb also in the backfield, and then you have with the receivers you have David and Joku, you have Jarvis Landry, you have Odell Becker Jr., you have a great receiving core, and on the other side of the ball you have um already a budding, almost a budding star at cornerback in Denzel Ward, and you pair him with another um, highly skilled cover corner in, um, in uh, Greedy Williams, and then you add that with the pass rush, which you already know you have Miles Garrett, and the defense should be pretty um, formidable as well. So I just want to see, um, and you added Matt Wilson from Alabama, the linebacker. I want to see how that works out. So, yeah, the, the Browns, seeing how they've come together and seeing if um, the Raiders can come together or if that's a combustion waiting to happen, to see the new acquisitions and seeing how um, they play on the field basketball-wise, he did it on the head. Um, Brian Williamson, he's going he's gonna to have some earth-shattering plays. We want to see um, the impact that he can have on the Pelicans, and the Pelicans are going to shape out to be a very good team. I heard um, – Al Horford is possibly looking at um, joining the Pelicans. So if he joins them, um, they could be a problem very soon. And you actually, on, and then on the eastern side, you have Atlanta, the Atlanta Hawks, who have made a lot of moves. You have um, Trey Young at the point guard. You have two uh, explosive wings that are Young and Cam Reddish and DeAndre Hunter. They both can defend. Both are very long. Both can shoot the J. You have a, a glass clear with John and John Collins. And you got you got to um, search for that big the center to play with them, but they have a good foundation so far. And then you got to see where Kevin Durant, Kyrie goes. So other than that, I'm with you on the boxing. But one thing I like to bring up bring up about boxing was Canelo. This new decision with Canelo, I don't know what's going on. At first, I'll be honest with you, I was frustrated because I was like, um, they really just helped Canelo get Charlo. Like they um they gave they elevated him because of the the first tweet that I saw about it was Michael Bishop. He's a very credible guy. He's usually right about everything. He said that um, what the WBC did is pretty much what the WBA does with the super champion and the regular champion. So I'm like, I'm like, that's whack. That's because um, because Jamal has been the mandatory for two years, and he's not going to um, get a shot at the championship because that's what happened if he was the regular yeah. champion of the WBA. But um, when, when the ESPN article dropped. And I checked and saw what um, what the other articles were talking about. The truth came down because you you can um, you can read in the description and the rules of the championship. 
what really happened was they 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 played the smoke and mirrors game. But what really actually happened was Canelo yeah. was stripped of his championship. But they didn't. But they didn't want. They don't want you to know that he was stripped of his championship because they're going to promote him in his next fight as a WBC champion. But he doesn't. He's not the actual championship because he's not the actual champion because Jamal Charlo was the champion because um, the new fake belt that they gave um, Canelo called the franchise belt is not an actual championship because. When you beat, even if you beat Canelo, you do not become the champion. You do not become the WBC champion. You become the number one contender for Jamal Charles' belt, which means that Jamal Charles' belt has to be the primary belt, and Canelo's belt is the secondary belt because it shows you in the rules that um, that, that is the case. So um, I'm pretty sure this thing is not going to get too much press. I'm, I'm, I'm waiting, I'm patiently waiting on the match on Boston to see what Max Kellerman has to say about this and what he's going to say. But um, I know from Twitter, you got, um, it's like a war. It's like a civil war out there. You got the brothers um, trying to defend Charlo. And then you got 100 Mexican brothers over here calling uh, Charlo all kinds of B-words and stuff. Because they're like, I don't know why the WBC did this to um, Canelo, and they're saying um, Canelo can do whatever he wants because he's Canelo. But at the same time, at some point, he, because uh, you know they had this discussion behind the scenes at some point that, um, that, um, yeah, they had a discussion somewhere that where, where um, does Canelo envision himself in the future? Like, where, um, what fights does he plan on taking in the future? And he told them that he wasn't necessarily planning on fighting Charlo. He wanted to fight Kovalev, maybe. He might. He wanted to fight Callum Smith. After that, he might want to fight Triple G. After that, he might want to fight somebody else. And they're like, you have to fight Charlo at some point. And he's like, no, I don't I'm Canelo. I do what I want. So they had to strip him eventually. So, and what they do, because um, Canelo has a very good standing with the WBC, he has a very good um, relationship now because, and you remember back in 2016, 2015, around that time, when he fought Amir Khan, the WBC mandated for him to fight Triple G, and he didn't want to fight Triple G at that time. He, um, what he did was he vacated the belt because he didn't want to fight Triple G, and he fought Amir Khan. And then he waited, he waited for Canelo to get two years older. You know, when he waited for Triple G to get two years older, and you know, right now he's 37, 38. He's on the back end of his career. So that two years aged him. Um, so he played that game with Triple G as any sister fight. So um, we know what kind of games he's playing. So he, he pretty much did it again. But um, I don't know if it's necessarily going to get the press, but I just want to get this out there to get the story out there for our fans to know. Nope. Well, hey, we, 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 uh, you and I are big boxing. We're going to see how this thing unfolds uh, into the back half of the year. Um you know, well, we're looking for we, we, the boxing needs to continue the momentum. They've had some some, some decent fights. Uh, they got some opportunities to make some big fights. Um, you know, and so they they need to figure it out um, uh, so that we can uh, we can get we can get we can get what we want. As, let the, as, as Jalen and Kobe would say, you know, get the people what they want and, and help us get to, get some of that stuff. Right. So we hope we hope to see that happen uh, towards the end. All right, so hey, we had a great show. We're gonna have some more stuff coming up. As I say, hey. Uh, stay tuned. We got the we got the big show coming up here. You know we're gonna have Marcus and Phil back in the building. Oh, it's gonna be a lot of excitement. You know we already buzzing with the one mic. We'll bring the big show back. 
It's about to be hot here on RSG. Yeah, we don't have Hank here, you know, the the, the elder spokesman to, to drop the mic. So I'm going to drop the mic. And, and one of the things that I, I wanted to um, uh, close out with is that uh, one of the things we should learn from this big free agency season, and like, you know, tomorrow at 6 o'clock, people are going to lose their mind. All the focus is going to be on all these huge, you know, uh, the, you know the, 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 the people who are getting the, the, the max contracts and deals. And what they're going to do is they're going to be missing championships are one with the small moves. You heard you heard Darnell talk about, you know, uh, Kyle Culver possibly going to New Orleans. That's the guy, the guy that adds a significant piece that you don't realize how good it is when you're in the playoffs and you're in a game six and he's knocking down three. He's knocking down three uh, threes with six minutes left because people are doubling on on Zion. It's those kind of small moves, and we lost we lost a possible small move, and when Derek Allison, uh, who uh, has been a one of those incredibly solid players throughout his career, I think people were seeing him as a possible person who could fit on one of these teams who are trying to make a run to the championship, uh, who needed a point guard. Now so he's retiring after 10 years being in the league. He wants to spend more time with his family and the faith. Uh, and there are a lot of guys who are going to come through with a lot of fans there, but you know, a lot of times when I see Darren Collison, what I see is somebody who's a consummate pro. You know, uh, every day, what you see is what you get. Uh, and he's also somebody who gives people buckets. He seems to be the kind of person who always came. People always have respect for him. Um, he seemed to be like he was a great teammate. Um, and the kind of person who was that glue guy on a championship squad. And, uh, you know, he uh, made a decision he's going to step away. But it's people like Darren Collison. Um, and those kind of guys who help you to get over the top. They're good in the locker room. They make things It's like the Sean Livingston's of the world. Uh, they make the plays that you need to play. They're willing to sacrifice for the greater good. Um, and so as you're sitting here watching the kicker and ESP and all these people and Woj is breaking, you know, uh, you know that KD and Kyrie decide to go here, don't miss those little ones that come after that where, you know, so-and-so who moves from boom, boom, he's a 15-point, 10-rebound person now moving, and now he's helping out, you know, the Portland Trailblazers. You know, don't miss that that guy who's that second-tier, third-tier guy who you only going to realize how good the move was uh, when you are in the, the second round of the tournament or the, or, the, or the playoff, and that guy's knocking down buckets. You're like, dang, I didn't even realize he was with them. And, and that's the kind of thing that um, I'm really going to be looking for, not just the big names, but those guys that make a difference, that make a difference in the locker room, make a difference in the championship run. Okay, so next time, hey, this is RG One Mike, my man Darnell, and, and myself, Devon Wilson, and, and for my, my brother Hank, he's out there trying to make sure he can, get, he can stay cool. Uh, we look forward to getting back with you again uh, soon. Peace. Peace, Father.